0: Alex and this is the Northern Guides to Happiness. Welcome to episode 36. Thanks to everyone who's listened so far and welcome if you're just joining us. As always I'm here in our virtual studio with Chris and Kath. Hello. Hello. How
1: are we? All right just quite a minute. Oh it's not doing it. We've got these lovely new windows in here uh, but even with the strength of the wind outside I'm getting that kind of Kind of ancient castle vibe <laughs> with the sound of the wind whistling. Whirling the... wind, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, we've put so... all of
0: our wheelie bins in the garage, oh, yes, yes. Mm. so they don't blow away.
1: <laughs> we, we were talking about this last time, weren't we? It's, it's getting no better.
0: It feels it's becoming a regular occurrence. We've gone this from life being gardeners' question time to the uh, the weather report. <laughs> but yeah, how is everyone? Yeah, Just getting good.
2: ready to go for emergency supplies in case. Eunice uh, strikes over
0: the weekend. Mm. What a great name, Eunice.
2: Eunice. (laughs) One of my first bosses
1: was called Eunice. Really? It's not a name I've come across often, I
0: have to
2: say. I'm sure there are plenty of lovely
1: Eunices out there.
0: (laughs) I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Well, I've been out, out.
3: Out, out? Uh, Out,
0: out. out. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we went to the Gala Theatre in Durham at the weekend oh. and s- saw some comedy, and it was oh. just wonderful to be back in a crowd in a theatre watching Nish Kumar, who is a very oh, very funny comedian. Yeah, yeah. So lots of laughs. Com- comedy makes me very happy. Um, so yeah, it was wonderful to be to be out and seeing some comedy. we
1: we're, yeah. we're going out out out. Out, 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 out! Oh, sure, yes, we're, we're, we're going to that London because oh, this this is such a stereotypical middle class thing. We've got Hamilton tickets. Oh wow, <laughs> that so, sounds yeah. good. Oh, yeah.
0: how exciting!
1: It'll be great. It'll be really good. So yeah, we are staying in a uh, staying in a chain hotel.
0: That's so fine.
1: We can't we can't advertise. Um, well, we probably could advertise it. Nobody cares. Only if they sponsored the podcast. They would. They, they would. Um, <laughs> And yeah, we're just going to kind of do the London thing for a couple of days. and then.
0: Oh, that'll be exciting.
1: Go to the theatre.
0: I think the Book of Mormon's coming to the Theatre Royal as well. There's a oh. shameless free plug for them. I quite fancy oh, yeah. seeing that, actually. That might be uh, good fun. And
1: they've got the curious incident of the dog in the Nighttime at the moment oh, yeah. as well, which oh, yeah. I hadn't realised until we walked past the theatre and so thought, oh,
0: I really want to see that. Get oh. some tickets then. Get some tickets. Mm-hmm. Can't
1: afford it. Spent it all in Hamilton. <laughs>
0: Well, on that note, shall we introduce (laughs) this week's guest interview? We carry on with the creative storytelling theme with this week's episode with Chris Ord, who I first met a few years ago on a project inspired by the Brass Bands of Northumberland. We talk a little bit about his love of brass bands and playing music, which brings him a great deal of happiness. But we also talk about his writing. His novels are dark, atmospheric and inspired by Northumberland. He talks to me about how the process of writing brings him happiness and how he goes about writing his stories. But enough of me talking, here's Chris. So, Chris, a very warm welcome to the Northern Guide to Happiness. Uh, Thank you for joining me. How are you feeling today?
3: I'm feeling good now. Uh, as you know, I've had a few technical issues, but uh, I've overcome them. Um, and it's it's forced me to upgrade my um, my operating system, which I've probably been delaying for a long time now. So uh, there has, hopefully there's been a benefit from that. In terms of, I hope I haven't lost all my files, uh, but I, I haven't checked yet.
0: You made that fatal mistake of, uh, yes, upgrading just before a, uh, <laughs> a recording <Yeah>. session. <laughs> i I, I, I do the same thing you know when that thing in the top right corner says uh upgrade i'm like remind me tomorrow remind me tomorrow remind me tomorrow and it's (laughs) like yeah okay maybe i should uh, just crack on and do it (laughs) so yeah we met a few years ago didn't we chris Uh, probably more years than i care to remember actually when i was working on a project collecting stories about brass bands in Northumberland and our paths crossed and uh, you told a digital story um, about your love of, of brass bands but before we talk more about that perhaps you could just introduce yourself for me and the listeners.
3: Hello, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm Chris Ord, um, I live in North Tyneside, Whitley Bear at the moment, well Monk Seaton, Whitley Bear but um, I'm a Northumberland lad by birth, you can probably tell from the accent. I'm actually toning this down.
2: I, um, oh no! Don't tone as it as... down. <laughs> 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 no, you wouldn't.
3: You wouldn't be able to understand. As I don't think if i got into my pitmanic sort of style. I'm I'm, I'm originally from Newbury and by the sea, up on the coast in in Northumberland, uh, and I um I moved away. And I went to university, did some travelling, taught abroad. Uh, you know, I've. I've had a fairly nomadic lifestyle and then came back about 17 years ago, 18 years ago. Got four kids, married married my childhood sweetheart and we met at school in Northumberland and we're still together. So there's a source of happiness (laughs) and um, still. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm a, I mean, in in terms of mainstream work, I've done lots of things. I've been a teacher, university uh, lecturer, uh, researcher um, I worked in education policy for a lot of years um, and then w- moved to the council was it was a contract manager and I've recently um, been a contract manager with youth projects uh, the Na- uh, National Citizen Service um, and then but I also am a writer um, I've published a few books and I'm a musician, hence why we first uh, met. I uh, play in a brass band, well, and Brass Band, my hometown brass band. Um, I played with them when I was younger. That's where I kind of started out as a musician. Stopped playing for a lot of years when I went off travelling and then came back to it as a kind of gift to myself, as a 40th birthday gift. I started playing again and... Uh, uh, not regretted, it, I, I love it. And uh, so, that's me.
0: So, is is music somewhere that you find happiness? Then,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, I play a lot of music. Uh, I play guitar not very well. I mean, horns, my my main instrument. I play the, the E flat or tenor horn, the, or the working class horn, as I describe it. <laughs> not you know, the, not the orchestral sort of French version, but the the, the sort of uh, brass band version. And yeah, I, I love playing music, uh, you know, that sort of creative element, but also, you know, I listen to lots of music, go to lots of gigs, I'm a regular at the Sage and the Clooney and, you know, all the, the great local um, venues that we have and, yeah, music's uh, always been a huge part of my life and uh, it is a, a massive source of, uh, you know, just that calm and a space to go to when you want to forget everything and uh, so yeah I would say music's a, a massive part of of my my well-being and happiness
0: so tell me about new big in brass band then you know brass bands were big obviously when the, the the pits and the mines were were strong here in the northeast but are they still as as popular as they were back then
3: well uh, I mean they're struggling I, I have to be honest it, mainly because the heritage itself is very much linked to the the mining industry and um, i mean in the past every pit had a band it was a source of competition and uh, the, the miners used to pay a little levy on that on the that, uh, on the pay which used to go into the brass band and you know everybody miners actually used to get a uh, used to get bonuses uh, well perks um for playing in the band such as they could miss shifts uh, for bad practices, and so actually, you know, there was big incentives to be a musician, and it used to get passed on down the, um, you know, down the generation. So there were always big families who they were all, they were all playing, and I, I think uh, somebody was telling us that there was somebody in the band who was responsible for. If, if you missed a band practice, you knew the addresses everybody and needs used to send this person again, knock on your door, Uh-oh. so you didn't miss band. You <laughs> and, know where you, you live. Know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really, you know, really serious, really competitive. And, you know, there was, there was. I mean, thousands of bands, you know, every every village had a band. And in the 80s, when I first started out, where the Mainers Picnic in Northumberland, and it, it was massive. I mean, now you've obviously the Durham Gala has always been the big one. And that's huge, but but for Northumberland and you know and um, in in we used to have it at Asherton and Bedleton and that you still used to get loads of bands and there was Durham bands come, but it's you know it's dwindled over the years. I think uh, school education has shifted. Um, when I was younger, there was a very very strong focus on music education, and certainly in my school in Asherton and Hurst High, I mean, we were fantastic set of teachers, um, Paul Slaughter, um, Alan Perd, George D- Dodds, and people who used to um, help out in the band. Was, Ashton High Derek Hobbs, and great people, you know, real patrons who who would support music locally and, and the kids. And, um, I mean, I'm not saying that's not still there in terms of the teachers. There's some great teachers and great local support, but, you know, it's, it's just... Uh, education policy now it's our maths and English and you know English yeah. it's the, the baccalaureate and that so a lot of these uh, subjects get squeezed in terms of curriculum time they're seen as extra subjects when actually I can honestly say the one thing that has given me more happiness than anything in my life has been music and I have absolutely no regrets whatsoever it's the best thing I ever did picking up an instrument and learning to play. And it was actually a total accident. Um, Somebody came into the the school hall, teacher, and said, does anyone want to play a brass instrument? This was an assembly. And the lad next to us, I can't even remember how it was, but he shoved his hand up. And, you know, kids are like, somebody else puts their hand up, you do. I put my hand up. I got picked. He didn't. So I ended up with with this battered old cornered. (laughs) which I took home and it started learning the C scale, And that was it, you know? And, and then I, I went, progressed on the home and it was the best accident in my life. <laughs> and I, you know, it's, it's great. I, I mean, I, I try and get my kids, you know, they're all at computer games and all these other distractions and football these days. But, you know, I always say to young people learn to play an in instrument and adults. So yeah, it, the brass bands were a big part of that. If you were in the school band, you would go into your, your local brass band. Um, and I originally I joined Asherton band, who so had a really good youth band. And then I moved to Newbegin. There was just more opportunities for the for the young youngsters there in terms of playing in in, in a sort of better position. Uh, newbegin band was struggling a bit at the time um, for players, and we actually built. Well, I didn't. Some of the elder statesmen in the band, they, they built the band around youth. So, uh, I mean, we had loads of loads of kids in the band and, and we started winning everything. <laughs> I mean, we were in the lower sections, but we, we started winning the area. and um, We were regional champions, t- t- two years running. And then we went to the national championships and I think in 1987, we won the national championships in Blackpool. Not, not the London national, cha- it was called the CISWA championship. And I mean, the, just the progression was was amazing. we sort of jailed as a band, really. And, um, and I left shortly after that because I went to university and I, I kind of regret that a bit, but not going to university, but not keeping up playing, but I just didn't. And then the band went on to be Greg's band. It was sponsored by Greg's. And, but like I say, things have, have died off. But about, I think it was maybe about 12, 13 years ago, Some of the old players got the band back together and they decided, look, we need a a local band again. Um, We we need to get... So they they pulled a few players together. I think there was only about five or six of them at first. And then they started contacting old players. And they got in touch with me and they said, are you still playing, Chris? And I'd started playing again then. And I said, ah, go on, I'll I'll come along (laughs) for for a blow. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and I've been there ever since. And, uh, I mean, we've struggled again because of covid mm. um yeah i think a lot of bands have have seen some of the older players decide right that's, that's it. it um mm. yeah I, I mean i think it's probably happened in lots of areas of society mm. people are oh, i need to spend time with my family i need to focus on other things and obviously you know being in a band's a commitment and 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 also i think you know it's, it's strange because there's that social element to band and, and i mean i think covid's kind of almost dislocated what social function, hasn't it, in terms of, I think we're probably like subconsciously a bit scared of certain s- scenarios and still a bit unsure. So yeah, I don't know yeah. if the thought of sitting, you know, with a group of players and, you know, obviously you're blowing, you know, air around in, in terms of brass instruments. I think that's probably made a few people nervous and whatnot so yeah it, it, it's so we are trying to get players so if anyone hears this and plays an instrument Here wants to join the yeah, band give it, give, it plug,
0: <laughs> give it a plug go for it yeah absolutely yeah.
3: Okay. get in touch with me
0: <laughs> so you you, you you said sort of uh sort of towards the top there that playing you know in the band and, and playing instruments is is one of the things that brings you the greatest happiness can you can you describe that happiness what does it feel like what what do you feel when you're playing
3: well, I play a lot at home and it's kind of it's just me time. I get a lot of happiness from being alone, actually. And I know that sounds a bit odd um, in a way, but um, I think it's just as you get older, you, you learn how your brain's wired and, and what works for you and what doesn't. And I'm quite a solitary person. It's, it's not that I'm not sociable. I mean, when I'm with people, yeah, I'm a laugh and I, I have a joke and all that. I, I can, but I find it quite exhausting. Um, at times and I get sort of mentally tired so I often try and do things which are more just me and, and solitary and, and I find that kind of time whereas in when I play at home it's just this opportunity to go on for an hour or whatever and you know just concentrate I'm in and I'm in this space this head space and I, I just find anything that's creative I mean without getting too philosophical I think it's what differentiates us from as humans, isn't it? From mm. from other animals, we're, we're a creative uh, creature, and I, I, um, to me, music is a is a key part of of how I express myself create, creatively. And it, it, you know, you don't have to be brilliant at it. I mean, I'm a half decent horn player. I'm not the best in the world by any means, you know. But I, I can hold a tune and and I can play a few notes, and and that's all you need. Um, and you just get into that um, thing and I think that I learned as I got older that actually when I'm creating something or when I'm creatively engaged I feel uh, just calm you know the anxiety lifts and and it's it's you're in that moment you know I mean everybody you know you hear all these phrases now don't you about mindfulness and it being in the moment and stuff like that I don't know I don't necessarily think about those conceptually but I do feel like that when I'm in, when I'm playing, and then I think when you play socially, it's hard to explain. But sometimes, and actually quite often, a lot of musicians talk about there's a connection that, like, between you know, when you're playing together. You know, you're not actually speaking to people. You're not. You're, you're sitting next to somebody. You're concentrating, but it's quite hard to explain. But sometimes you feel this connection with the other musicians because you're all in this singular goal and that and I mean sometimes I felt that in a quite profound way um, I mean we we did a school reunion a few years ago where we all got the the old school band back together, there was about 50 of us and we played a Christmas concert and I've never ever felt anything like it in my life, it was just the the act, The I mean obviously there was the buzz of well being back together and stuff like that but I think there was just an energy there because we were all so excited about this reunion and and we just put our hearts and souls in it and, and I mean, you just kind of sometimes it lifts the music to a, a kind of different level and I think the audience felt it. We all felt it and it was just, it was amazing. And I, I think you, sometimes when I go to gigs, I see that with the musicians on the stage. Sometimes I feel it, you know. The you know a musician can connect with the audience in a way that somebody else can't. I mean, to me, that's often. The thing I look for in a gig—it's not necessarily the sound quality or the, whether the singer's the best singer in the world. I mean, I've seen some folk singers who, you know, not technically the greatest vocalists in the world. Good guitar players and lovely music—you know, brilliant music—but, but actually, they can do something with a voice and and the, the way that they connect with people through the words, which is actually, you know. A lot better than, you know, the histrionics that you sometimes hear. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a technical gift to that, and it's it's wonderful here. And but um, I like the it's that's what I'm kind of seeking when I go into a gig. and um, you know you don't always get it, but um, I think often you sometimes you come away from a gig and you felt that and you think wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and and um, and actually, sometimes I've I've paid a tenner for gigs and felt that before. And paid a hundred for other gigs and <laughs> felt nothing. So it doesn't it doesn't always equate to commercial <laughs> value either.
0: <laughs> I think that's really interesting what you were saying before there about yes, everyone feeling feeling together without actually having to say anything because you're all you you're all concentrating on playing. But yes, to, but you have to play together. As a whole, I yeah, I think that's really interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah, it, it's it, it's hot. I mean, a lot of musicians talk about it, and I mean, in a band, it it, it like I said, it's different. I think it's this idea, you know, when, when you're playing as one, like as a team yeah. or as a group, as a you know, you're kind of you're bonding and you're you're all playing in that that kind of that zone or whatever where you're really sort of focused. And um, I think it's the difference between. A group of individuals just gone through the notes, and actually a group of musicians who are expressing themselves through that music. And um you know, I think that's what you know the great conductors or the great leader, you know, choir masters or band. That's probably what they're trying to achieve. The great coaches they're trying to get that jail between the musicians so that they can can give that level. Of, and I think obviously the better you are, as more technically gifted you are, I think with a, mu- a musical instrument it can sometimes be easier to do that but but not always
0: <laughs> you talked about playing um creating a sense of calm for yourself do you do you get that same sense of calm when you're creating and writing your your books as well because i know you, you sort of mentioned at the top there that you're, you've been writing as well
3: it's a, it's a different type of uh creative process and and, and it, i get a different kind of experience from it i mean sometimes when you're writing i mean the time disappears um you know I, i'm very structured i like structure that's again that's you know understanding how my brain works and so i'm I'm very disciplined i i get up i sit at, at my desk around nine o'clock you know i walk the dog most more some mornings but my wife works some other mornings and that but um, or, you know, get the kids ready for school and whatnot, and then sit down. And then I've got my morning creative time with, with my writing. And I normally work till lunchtime just producing, well, write. <laughs> and then the afternoon is is the editing process uh, where I tend to go back over what I've written that morning and sort of tidy it up and and, and whatnot. But um, that kind of creative flow. And it's weird with, with writing because I think. I'm, I'm, when I'm playing music, I'm, I'm a dots person. I read the music, and so in a way, that's a type of musical expression which, eh, you know, the, some people would say is maybe is more limiting than others because, in a sense, you're translating something which is there, you know, expressing it. Whereas, of course, you get some like jazz musicians and improvisers who, actually, it's a much Different um, creative process because they're not, they can read the dots, or some of them can, or some can't, but it's actually just a process of expression and um, free form sort of uh, playing. And I think writing is more like that in terms of the creative process because sometimes it's hard to explain because you're not actually sure where the words are coming from because it's almost like there's something else. I mean, obviously, it is imagination and various other things, but with me, I'm very pictorial and so i have scenes and pictures which are quite vivid in my head and i'm kind of walking through that and really all i'm doing is trying to express that in words so it's the action the feelings the the dialogue and the um you know the, the scene so you kind of capture the scene um, so your reader has a sense of what you're saying and then you you know you, you keep the flow and the the, the action kind of gives them a sense of what is happening and the, the kind of the flow and the pace and then obviously the dialogue and various other things. so it's a case of constructing that but really it's just about letting your imagination activating it and letting it, fly and and i've got quite a vivid imagination so often what i'll do is i just sit down and i just have an idea a general idea or a scenario or, or a scene in mind and i just try and express that and, and and get inside the character and then that kind of moves us into another <laughs> scene and, and it kind of drives the story forward you get other writers who will sit and they'll storyboard and they'll plot, and before they ever write anything, they have to have a sense of, right, what's going to happen and where's the ending and what's this story? But um, I don't do that. So for me, that kind of free-form writing, it's risky because I spend a lot of time writing stuff which I I put into folders and you probably never, you know, I might use that again and uh, because it could take you down blind alleys. But creatively, I find it very rewarding. Because I'm not trying to achieve anything other than expressing myself, whereas I think if you're saying to yourself, I have to get this story written, or I have to do this, or this character has to go in that direction, or this kind of, I I would find that a little bit more limiting. So in a way, it's almost at odds with the, my music. It's like if I look at a music and I say I've got to play that note, or I'm playing the wrong note, <laughs> then whereas with my writing, there are no right or wrong notes, It does seem a or bit right like or the same, wrong words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, in a way, it just means I've got a different type of creative yeah, expression, yeah. you know, or creative process. And and it wasn't anything that I thought about. It, it was just simply um, that I tried to write books for a lot of years, and and just. I just kept. It was. I stopped starting all the time, and I think it was because I had this limiting sense of uh, I have to construct it, and I have to have these parameters, and the parameters themselves became barriers. So I read a book by Stephen King called On Writing, which is just about his writing process, not not about you know. It's not a fiction. It's a, and it, that was a, an amazing book. I thought. Um, I admire Stephen King. I don't read a lot of his books, I'll be honest. Um, but I admire him for what he's achieved and, and whatnot. And I think he writes fantastic stories. Uh, he's probably the master storyteller. Mm. Him and Neil Gaiman, I, I've, got, I've got a lot of time for him as well. And, you know, that the write wonderful stories, really engaging stories, which I love. For me, stories is, is what it's all about. But I, I just found his process very liberating. And I thought, wow yeah, why don't I try that? And I did, and it just started to really flow, and it, it, so it really unlocked something for me. And I think people have, with my music, people have said it as, well, do you know, fancy trying a bit of free form, a bit of improvisation, and, and I, I mean, I could. I could sit down and, you know, just, I know all the stuff and the skills and all that. But I'll be honest, um, when I've tried stuff like that before, I just think, ah, that sounds rubbish. <laughs> You know, I just kind of, I'm, I'm really sort of me on with, I think, ah, I don't really, yeah. I don't. so I'd much rather just get a nice classical piece or a, or a nice solo and just play it to myself, because actually I kind of think, wow, yeah, oh that sounds all right, <laughs> so I, I, it's a bit sort of just pumping me old ego, really, <laughs>
0: way you're, you're getting the best of both worlds aren't you? you you're trying something a bit more structured with the music and then a bit more creative and free-flowing with, with your writing you know yeah. you can try, try yeah.
3: both the other thing I would say is key to my happiness and I, I was saying structure I mean there's, there's a creative element but one thing I've found over the years which I actually need um quite a, a lot and, and and I'm not particularly uh, my my mind starts to um, well, I, I get anxious and I, I start to get like problems. I think in terms of my well being is running. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, now I you're found... talking my
0: language, Chris.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know you. I know you like you're, you're running as well. And it, I mean, for me, it, they are linked um, in a way because I think um, often when I'm out running, I'll be chewing over ideas and stuff or stuff that I've written. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, it might be something I've written the day before and you're thinking, mm, yeah, did that work or blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't know if it's the oxygen that goes to the brain or, you know, the increased sort of adrenaline and all those endorphins or whatever pumping around your body. But I just, I find there's this high, you know, this natural high as you're kind of really sort of pushing yourself. And I just find my brain sort of really comes alive. and um, And then afterwards... I just, you know, it, it it helps me. I don't know, how it's taught explain. It's just, and I've I noticed this quite a lot. Obviously, the last year, we've all struggled with lockdown and various other things. And I know some people have hurled themselves in exercise. I had long COVID. Um, I caught COVID, it was in September 2020, the end of 2020, and I thought I'd kicked it. It was bad when I had it. I wasn't hospitalised, anything, but I I was ill, and uh, and I I'll be honest, I was absolutely I was terrified when I had it because all the stuff that we'd seen on the telly and that, and, you know, the build up. I just thought, sort of, you know, I mean, I'm on the cusp of of a, a sort that of, was in my fifties then. I thought, oh, you know, anything could happen, but but it, I, you know, I managed to get shot of it and and i thought i was getting well again and then suddenly just the fatigue came back and and actually the worst thing i found about it was it really started messing with my head i couldn't run my lungs were just they felt really like they were filled with glue all the time it was hot experience just really sort of and so when i was running i was just uh, it's like i was running with sandbags tied to my legs and i just felt you know and i felt really down in there my head started getting by way of contrast that I mean, looking back on it, it was actually perversely a good experience for us—a bad experience in a way, but because it, it actually gave us a sense of the things that mean a lot to us,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and a better sense of that perspective and things that are taken for granted. Maybe that's true of all of us in lockdown as well. I know people are talking about that, but it just it made us realise how you know important my family time is, you know the things I love—my music, my my, my my writing and stuff—and that focusing on that and that if I don't have some form of running in my life, I a running, walking, running, you know, as well. But actually running's quite a big part of people, I've got a bike and people say, oh, well, can you not go on cycling? But I'm just not a good enough cyclist to kind of get this and I don't get the same high from cycling. I know a lot of people who do because they're good at it, but I'm not I'm not a very good runner actually. But because I'm bad, I get a high just from running. <laughs> 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 Relatively, short. I, I I could run long distances actually, but um, I never run them particularly fast. But I was quite, a, I was quite a resilient, durable runner. But um, it's better I,
0: than just and, sitting and, on the sofa, though.
3: You know, you no know, matter. Yeah. You know, as long as you're getting out, that's the important thing. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, you set your own goals. You, yeah. you, there's no, you know. I mean, I used to when I was younger, I used to think I was running really quick times, and then I thought oh, my God, no, I'm not, <laughs> because there's always somebody. In. So, really, it's not about that. It's just about, you know, being, you know. So, yeah, um so I would say, yeah, running music and writing there, three. Um, and I, there's the givens, you know, the family, you know, all that kind of, you, you know, yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah, the
0: family.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah just just get that one in in case any just, of them are listening case, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll not edit that <laughs> bit out <laughs> yeah of course they go without saying don't they yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I was going to ask this question about your writing actually but I suppose maybe it's um maybe it's applicable to to, to the, the the things you've, you've mentioned already but where do you find happiness in your writing in your music is it is it in the process itself? or you know is it the achievement of you know the end product you know the finished book the finished performance the finished running event whatever it may be or you know is it in the people's reactions to, to whatever it is that you've produced or is it something completely different or, or all of those things that was a big question sorry
3: no no I think no it's, it's a good one because I, 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 I think the process itself is fantastic for me I, I mean I don't get frustrated by it. I love puzzles. I love. I I like patterns. I see things in 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 patterns a lot. And you know, I I I play with Rubik's cubes and stuff like that. You know, that's the way my mind sort of works. So actually, to me, writing a book is is just like it's it's just a problem solving exercise in that regard. In that, you know, there's structure. There's a you know there's a format, and you know, and and you can create that. I mean, there's certain parameters. Certain expectations, but you can play around with it. I mean, you know, I look at James Joyce; he just threw the rule book out the window and said, alright I'll I'll do whatever I want." And not that I would do that, or even aspire to be that great, you know. But you get, you know, you get people who come along and just sort of rewrite the rules. So, to some extent, you can play around with it in terms of your own structures. But so, yeah, the process—it's you know—it's hard, but it's just you have got to get yourself every day just chip away, I, I write, I have a word count, a spreadsheet, I put my word count, what I've written, and you just gradually, it's it's a bit like, you know, somebody said it was a few years ago, um, when you're climbing Everest, you don't climb the mountain, you yeah. climb the base camp one, base camp two, and you get a base camp one, and that is the achievement in itself, and then you get, you, that spurs you on to base camp two, and is a philosophical exercise. That's something you to apply to everything you do, every task. And I, I'm the same with writing. It's like I don't look at the, the whole. I look at, right, I'm going to write one chapter or I'm going to write 2,000 words or I'm going to. And gradually you get to the end of that process and you've got a draft. Now, that draft is invariably poor because <laughs> Essentially, we are first draft, you're just getting ideas down, structure, and you know, it depends. I mean, um, I'd probably say my first drafts are more refined than some other writers I've spoken to, mainly because I have this write in the morning, edit, write, re-edit, right, re- you know, and stuff like this. I, I nicked it from Anthony Burgess. So I was reading about him, how he does it. And then at the end, you've got that achievement. You gone through all the other process, edit, and very soon then you get your release. Now, the final part, I suppose, output, which to me, the process is the key thing that I get yeah. the most pleasure from, the most happiness. The output's the risky bit because I think, you know, you never, ever know how other people are going to react. I mean, you've just got to write the best story that you can at any given moment. You know, I mean that. You know that at some point you're going to write a better story, or you know, you'll. Get, but you've you've got to trust yourself that at this given time, I this is the best that I can be, and this is what I produce. And then at some point, you've got to kind of trust yourself and let go of that. Now, when the readers get it, they you don't know how they're going to react. They they give it a different uh, sense of life. They breathe new life, and they they'll read it from a whole different sense of perspectives and prejudices. And, and life experiences so actually their interpretation of that book is, is very different probably from what you intended but that doesn't matter what they read is and some people will react in a way which may not necessarily be how you want and um and you know you uh, you get people who say oh yeah I don't like that or blah 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 and I'll be honest I don't write happy books um you know I mean it's weird I, I like the process but um you know, I'm, uh, there's not, not a lot of joy in my books. I'm telling you, <laughs> no, in the sense that, I, you know, I write quite quite challenging subjects and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I've, I like to write different things. I've written a couple of dystopian novels and I've written a historical novel which was based on a musical project that I was part of, a story that I, I discovered a bit of family. My latest one is actually based on um, folk story, local folk stories. Mm-hmm and folk songs and it was inspired by a, it was actually inspired by a gig that i went to and um, and a folk a northumbrian folk song that i heard and i thought wow it's cal tamlin um, which fairport convention did the original version on. well not original they did the most probably well-known version on lesion leaf um which is quite a rocky ver- like folk rock sort of version electric but um i heard this other version by um, someone called anais mitchell and jefferson hemer who who were playing at Gateshead and had done this album of child ballads um you now the child ballads are a kind of collection of of folk ballads that were pulled together by this guy called child who uh, they've been a source of, of inspiration for folk singers for years they've kind of songs and reinterpret them and um, I'd heard this version of Tam Lin and I thought wow what a wonderful story and I'd had this other idea about something I'd read about a a child killer which (laughs) but it kind of got me thinking and well when I was reading this it was just a horrific life story of, of this child and I thought you know people were banding around things like evil and blah and I thought how can a child be evil you know, surely, and then when I read about what their life had been horrendous, you know, and really it was the family and the people around them and society that had failed them and let them down. I thought, and so I had this idea of exploring the nature of of motivation and and you know what would drive ch- a child to to certain things and and, and you know and, and various other, and and the idea was to kind of weave. Imagination and folk and music into this kind of harsh reality and kind of create something which was played around with the reader's sense of is this in their mind or is it really happening or is this all just their imagination and I thought that would be quite an interesting so I had a go at that so that's my latest book so it's not it's it's not happy in that sense but actually I got a lot of joy out of creating it um so in a, in a way the output isn't really encapsulating happiness and, <laughs> in that sense so um i think uh, if somebody reads it and thinks oh but it's challenging mm-hmm. and it's unsettling and it's it's kind of thought-provoking and it, you know i think it's engaging and i think that's the thing with with art and creativity something you know we're not all here to we're here to entertain, you know. But there's different types of entertainment, isn't there? I mean, not all entertainments about, you know, making people laugh or cry, or you know, some of it's about disturbing people or unsettling them, or you know, making them feel a little bit scared. Or um, <laughs> um, and I probably I prob- I'd probably a little lean a little bit more to that darker side of stuff in my writing.
0: That's interesting, because um, because back uh, when when we um started this current season of, of episodes uh we interviewed michael cunliffe who um finds happiness in dark art so oh, really? you know so i guess a similar similar to what you're saying there that actually that the process of producing the art brings some great joy and and contentment <laughs> but actually as you're saying the end product is quite dark Um, yeah the subject matter it's not you know roses and smiley faces it's uh you know quite quite different um so it's interesting that you're saying that about your your writing actually as well
3: and Um, I think it's contrast isn't it I mean you know if we were if we were happy all the time would we still feel happy mm -hmm. (laughs) because happy would then become the norm I mean it's, it's a you know it's you need you need the light and the shade, don't you? And the, the the dark and the light, you know, you need the contrast. And so, so, I mean, it's like I was saying about last year. Yeah. I have me moments like everybody where I, I I wouldn't say I suffer from depression or anything like that. You know, I mean, I know people use that word probably too lightly these days and, and it's, it's a serious issue that, you know, I think we're probably beginning to take a lot more seriously as, as a society and, and, and people and, and become more, sensitive to to these issues I wouldn't dilute anybody's experiences by saying I've experienced that at any great extent but last year I would say I probably was depressed Mm -hmm. and and because of this this like I say this recovery thing and this long COVID and it was it really forced me into a place where you know coming out of it the contrast is is has been that Maybe I see more light <laughs> now. Maybe, you know, because I, I, I was in that, that sort of pit for a while. And and I know that unfortunately I think for, for many people that keep getting dragged in on a cyclical basis, you know, the you know, the black dog and and various other, you know, analogies that are drawn. But I think um in in that sense, having the light and shade. I remember reading an interview with Stephen Fry where he was talking about his bipolar element and, and somebody says, if you could take it away, would you? And he went, no, because it's who I am and I need both elements to be me. It's, it's, I under, And I found that really interesting because I thought, well, you know, he's come to accept that this yeah. is a part of his makeup. And, and actually, you know, it, it's just, you know, Coming to terms with that and self-awareness and self-knowledge and understanding that and how to manage it and is probably more important than trying to be something that you're not.
0: <laughs> so on that note, then is happiness? You know, you've mentioned there depression, the long COVID, experiencing that the light and the dark. You know, is happiness something that you think much about, or are you know, or, or are you aware of it? Is it something that you work on?
3: Yeah, I would. I mean, it's a difficult thing to concept uh, conceptualise because I think it's relative, isn't it? In, s- in some respects, and I think we can have different. I mean, sometimes I have—I I suppose everybody does—I have moments of extreme elation where you know you're in particular, and you cannot expect to experience that constantly um, in in life. And, and so, I mean, sometimes I suppose. Maybe happiness is just more about not having the darkness and mm-hmm. not having being in that, but being conscious of being in the moment. You know, I know a lot of there's a lot of literature now, isn't there, about self help, well being, which focuses on that. And at least you know Scandinavian concepts coming in. It used to be it used to be all the Buddhist stuff, and now it seems to be like is it Hugger and, and and bits and bobs. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> and and you know and, and you read about it and you think yeah you, you think oh um, what's all this but yeah I mean whatever floats your boat I mean I'm not, I'm not gonna knock these things I mean people there's many paths to the same to the same um, goal isn't it but to me I, I suppose yeah it's something that I lose sight of at times and I think we all do and I think you're just kind of ticking along and, and then maybe something comes along that kicks you or remains you, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take some positives out of the last couple of years even though people aren't particularly positive about it and sort of looking back but I think if we reflect on it and we could probably say well it has helped we understand the things that mean more to us and and we spent maybe we spend a bit more time on it I've always talked about this this um the tension or, or the I don't know, the continuum, you, you've kind of got creativity and consumerism, you know, or consume. You know, we we have got a, a very strong um, impulse in our world and bombarded with this idea of buying things and that, that you know, that's the means to happiness and, and experience, you, you experience happiness through consumption. When actually I've learned that that hasn't really brought me a lot of happiness in my life, actually, It's when I'm creating things and it's when I even, you know, even if they're not stuff that makes money. (laughs) In fact, I can see I've made less than 100 quid probably as a musician in my life. I don't get paid for this, you know, and I probably get more joy from it because of that. Most professional musicians are now pretty miserable because they didn't didn't make any money (laughs) <laughs> and, and the struggle, you know, um, whereas I haven't got that pressure on and, it and I'm the same with writing. I don't make a lot of money out of writing. Yeah, uh, yeah, they are right at times, you know, peaks and troughs and, you know, you release a book and you, you kind of, I mean, a couple of my books have done well, and, but it's never, I'm not one of these lucky ones who's got enough money to sustain a lifestyle out of it. Very few writers ever achieved that. Um, so I Adam, I set that as my goal. I kind of think, well, you know, if, if you you know cling to that consumerist thing and i think well i focus on the things that i enjoy the process the the, the achievement the, the the puzzle the, the you know that um the creative element like like you say and wherever that takes is great i'm not obsessed with the um, how many books I sell or how much money I make or whether I'm top of the charts or whatever. Then, you know, some people like that, maybe, yeah, you say, whatever floats I boat, it's great. Yeah, I think it would be nice to reach a point where I could sustain a living as a creative person, but I don't know many people who have ever reached that point. So my view is I kind of just, I look for the opportunities, you know, I do a bit of mainstream work, you know, that funds my... My free time, I, I mean, time, I would say, is my key thing of value, my key currency of value in the sense that um, if somebody came to me and said, right, Chris, I'm going to give you 50 grand or I'll give you the next five years of your life to just write a book, I would take the five year or, or the next year of your life, shall we say, five. I would take the year of my life, I'd say, oh, you keep the 50 grand. Because um, to me, it's that I know will make us more more happy. So and it's coming to that understanding, that kind of of and, and not being scared to do it. I mean, I've I've taken a lot of risks in recent years. I've given up jobs. I've you know I've given up lucrative contracts, and I've done things that I've enjo- enjoy being enjoying. And people say you're mad. Why are you done it? But I think in a way, it's that quest for happiness, mm-hmm. whatever that is, or just contentment or i would say it's freedom freedom that sense of personal freedom that sense of the ability to be able to do what i want to do
0: so you've found happiness in writing then how can mm-hmm. you know what what are your sort of hints tips advice to somebody who is wanting to get into writing but perhaps hasn't hasn't taken the plunge or, or doesn't know where to start what what would you suggest to them
3: i think a lot of people I read somewhere that it's number one in terms of people's life goals, uh, but by far, you know, when people talk about bucket lists, everybody says, "Oh, I want to write a book," and I think a lot of people, you know, will try but and don't. I mean, that's just you know, gun for it. You at the end of the day, don't think about the output, don't think about the you know whether it's successful or whether it you know it's a bestseller or whether it even gets published. Think about what that story is that you've got inside you, and we all have a story, you know. Uh, some of us have more than one, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but you know that, that, that and just say, all right, okay, I'm going to write at this moment. Don't you, be fearless, you know. Trust yourself. I'm going to write this moment, the story, the best story that I can, that I want to write, and um, I'll write it for myself. I write the story that I want to read. The story that I want to write. Now, if somebody else likes that story, that's a bonus. If you if you're authentic and you're true to yourself, authenticity is a big part of this. I think you've got to be true to yourself. You know that comes through. Be passionate. And at the end of it, you know some someone might like it, someone might not. You know, but at the end of the day, you can't keep everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And if they don't like it, it's not that. It's only their opinion. You know, it's subjective objective you know i mean some of the some of the greatest stuff in history has been i mean van Gogh. you know i never saw the painting in his life did he yeah. and now he's hailed as a great genius he was mocked for being you know out kilt with 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 everything else but you know at the end of the day you never know when your creativity is going to just hit the mark with somebody and, and so you just got to be brave but the other thing i would say is you got to be very um disciplined I mean, I would say hard work, graft, and discipline are key. Okay, because uh, I mean, I've found if I'm not structured and not disciplined, if I just say oh, I'll uh, I'll grab an hour at the weekend to write, and it quickly drifts. Life gets in the way. You know, when I say life, you know, the the, the drudge, the real mm-hmm. stuff. You know, the the washing and the yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've got, to, you've got to make time. You've got to say it yourself. You've got to think like a writer. You've got to tell yourself you're a writer. And you've got to think, right, okay, what would a writer do? Well, a writer would sit down at that desk. They would treat this like if I was a secretary or a nurse or a, any other profession. In some cases, there's a compulsion because, you know, through wage slavery, somebody said, you know, you're on 10 quid an hour. Here you go. Or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. Sit down. You know, you've got to be at your desk, and I want you doing this. Now, we all get drawn into that compulsion um, and have to <laughs> through wage slavery in order to survive. In many instances, you've you've got to take the same approach with yourself um, it, it, to write or to do anything. You've you've got to say yes, all right. I'm going to sit down at my desk. I am my own boss, and I'm gonna. <laughs> You, you know you, you might not be that 10 pound an hour compulsion but what should drive you is the passion the desire the the, the willingness to create to finish that product whatever it is or to finish that, that story and just get end. so really out you know th- those things it's just you know fearless write for yourself write the story that you want to write or want to read and be very very disciplined um if if you can put all that together, I think you've got half a chance.
0: You'll be all right. Yeah, you need. Yeah, you need a. Yeah, you
3: need a bit of talent and a bit of literary uh, ability. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you know that that can all be learned. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's uh, you know, it, it's like anything. You know, like with music, you, you learn the notes, and gradually, the more you practice, you get better at it. And for your art, you learn you know more notes and you play harder pieces. And it's the same with writing. You know.
0: Fabulous. Thank you very much, Chris. Where can people find out more about your work, about Newbiggin Brass Band, if anybody wants to join the band?
3: Well, Facebook, the band's called JS Newbiggin. That's J A Y A S S Newbiggin Brass Band. They've got a Facebook page, they've got a web website um i mean you can contact me as well i'm on facebook and obviously i would put you in touch with the band if you're interested and I, similarly with writing i've got a personal page on facebook where i i go about and, and and talk rubbish um and then i have a, an author page where i try and pretend i'm really professional <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and don't say anything too controversial uh, i like the personal know.
0: facebook page <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I talk about my writing and, and stuff like that. You no, know, I do try and keep it, you know. So I've got my author page where I talk about my writing solely and a bit about my music and influences, but yeah, and I've got that. And, and I'm on Twitter, the U at the Ooblet, and I'm on Instagram. I can't remember what I'm called on Instagram and stuff. Um, but Facebook's probably the best place, you yeah, know, Chris Ode, O R D, which actually. It, it means word in in uh, Norwegian or Swedish or something. So, yeah, uh, my no. surname actually. Yeah, so there is a, a little. Uh... <laughs> maybe i was destined <laughs>
0: absolutely yeah <laughs> what's what's the name for the, what's the word for people who have a surname that's the same as the the job that they do there's a word for it i'm gonna to have to find
3: oh i, I yeah i don't know that out. i should oh, somebody at the chase i some... sure yeah <laughs>
0: absolutely
3: <laughs> Susie Susie dental now. yeah On Twitter, susie will sure. know
0: absolutely well yeah. thank you so much chris <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about your your love of music your love of writing and running of course haha. but thank you very much for your time today
3: no thank you it's been a pleasure and uh good luck with all that you do i love your stuff and uh just just keep uh keep doing it and entertaining us uh, oh we'll try, and, uh, we'll hope try. To, yeah <laughs> hope to uh speak to you again soon absolutely Cheers. thanks bye-bye <laughs>
0: was Chris. What did people think? That was lovely. It was great, wasn't it?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I listened to this straight after I'd been part of your workshop. Yep, yep,
0: last night. And Mm.
2: all of the things that she'd been talking about at a relatively academic level or a very considered level, he said exactly the same (laughs) thing in an increasingly beautiful Northumbrian accent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it, it came out, it was it was absolutely superb. And the fact that he played in, in the brass band really echoed with me some previous work that, that we've been involved with. And a couple of years ago, we were very lucky to be involved in the Durham Minor Gala, actually marching in the du- Durham Minor Gala. And we had a Northumbria, a Northumbrian banner and we weren't quite sure what our reception would be, but we went to a couple of events, planning events, and we were so warmly welcomed by all of the Durham miners down there. And on the day, we're being hosted by the Backworth Colliery Band, who we had planned to walk behind with our banner, but in the best laid traditions of things not quite going right <laughs> on the day, we, we got distanced from backworth
0: Colliery Band,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we were left orphaned, our banner and our crowd oh. was left orphaned, until the wonderful, wonderful Easington Colliery Band adopted us for the day, <laughs> and we walked behind them. Fabulous. And I haven't got a mining background, but I've never felt so much pride and Musicians listening to this mm. and just knowing exactly what it is that gets them at that point. So mm. it, it was just wonderful. I had a lovely night last night.
0: <laughs> great, glad to hear it. All all caused by the Happiness Podcast. So Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, I really um appreciated what he was saying about we're, we're together. There's that connection without actually having to say anything. Mm. You're, you're all there for that same common purpose. You're, you're sitting next to somebody, but you're not talking to them. You're just playing, um, which I thought was really moving. Yeah, thank you, Kath. What about you, Chris?
1: Well, yeah, strangely, like like Kath, it sort of brought up all sort of emotional connections with um, brass bands, sound of brass bands. Because uh, my wife and I, our first house that we bought um, was down in South Yorkshire, in a little village called Treaton, um, which is just over the hill from Orgreave. And if you know your minor strike history, you'll know the, about the Battle of yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But this, the house that we we bought was on a new estate, which was built on on the old pit at Treton. And there was, while we were there, the local church hosted the 10th, I think it was the 10th anniversary of the closing or the 15th anniversary, something like that. Lovely old church, right in the heart of the village. Um, and the music was provided by... Um, by the local brass band, and I, it was deeply, deeply emotional. Um, and just the sound of the brass band as the soundtrack for uh, for all of it was 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 really affecting. But you know, us as newcomers into that particular area, just kind of getting a glimpse of kind of the depth of the, the cultural aspect of uh, of mining and mining history, kind of goes into that area. And it'll be, you know, I imagine exactly the same uh, the same up here. You, you mentioned that thing about um connection alex was something that really got me because that's something i've kind of felt for a while because i think like chris you've seen sort of quite an introverted character and that's kind of the same for me i mean I'm, I'm surrounded by musical instruments in in the room that i'm recording this at the moment um and it was something that i kind of twigged quite early on at school so that I didn't have sort of very many friends i wasn't very outgoing and but parts of being in bands and orchestras and choirs and things like that, you you very quickly kind of get a sense of togetherness and connection without the pressure of having to be kind of fascinating and and sort of really interesting in conversation. Um, so that that really really uh, really struck a chord. Um chish. Yes. <laughs> so I know exactly I know exactly where he's coming from. So yeah, it was yeah it was a it was a lovely conversation to listen in on. Thank you.
0: Yeah. I really enjoyed what he was saying as well about um, the process of his writing Mm. as well, being quite free flowing, whereas he preferred the more structured approach to playing his music and Mm. just being able to, I suppose, experience those two different creative ways of expressing yourself in different ways was was interesting for
1: me yeah people people are fascinatingly complicated <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so They can have both those things going on at the same time but yeah the other thing that he he, he said which i, I really like was this idea about kind of treating things as, as climbing everest you don't you don't climb everest you climb it one camp at a time and you just kind of mm. do it a little bit so yeah the big project is you know might seem like a, a massive undertaking but taking life or any sort of creative endeavor just sort of one little bit at a time and just building up to it that's that's quite an encouraging way of looking at the world
0: yeah yeah definitely well thank you very much both of you for your thoughts and thank you chris for that interview if you've been inspired by this podcast episode then we'd love to hear from you we love hearing your stories and opinions on what happiness means to you you can get in touch via email hello at the northern guides to happiness.co.uk Or you can find us on Twitter at North Happiness and Instagram and Facebook at Northern Happiness. We're really glad to be spreading joy and happiness around the North East through this podcast. Thanks to funding from the National Lottery Community Fund and the Newcastle Covid Fund. So thank you so much to our funders for their support. Next week, we have a surprise guest and a surprise interviewer. But I won't say any more. I know, I'll leave that uh, carrot dangling. (laughs) So please do tune in next week for a very exciting episode. We've reached the end of another episode now, though. We hope you're enjoying listening to the Northern Guides to Happiness. Take care and see you all again next week for another episode. (laughs)